Welcome to the Mom Life Balance Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Bartholomew. I'm a certified emotional intelligence coach and a mom of three. I've spent over 15 years balancing that mom life while reaching for personal and professional goals. And it's my mission to help moms just like you do exactly that. I am so glad you've joined me. Let's get started. I'm so excited for you to meet my guest today. Her name is Andrea Crum, and she is a mom of two. She spent much of her career in the corporate world and has such a unique story that she's going to share during much of our podcast interview today. Um, Out of her time in the corporate world, she actually started her own ministry with her husband. They founded Genuine Family Ministries. And it exists to equip families to stand firm on their faith in this oftentimes crazy, confusing culture. She's a graduate of the Colson Center for Christian Worldview, a member of Alan Parr's ministry team, and a longtime member of Cottonwood Creek Church, which is right here in the Dallas Metroplex. I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation, and I hope you will be encouraged, inspired, and blessed by it. Welcome to the podcast, Andrea. I'm so, so glad to have you here. And I'm excited for this really unique conversation that I haven't had with any moms yet. So thanks for being here today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. We had some technical difficulties. We figured it out. Life can be hard sometimes, (laughs) but we can get it done. So we're here and um, I'm excited to jump in with you. So first of all, I would love for you just to tell us a little bit about yourself and about your family. Uh, my name is Andrea Crum, and I have been um, in the corporate world for 25 years and then recently moved into, uh, I say recently, last three years, I've been in full-time ministry, uh, been married for 20 years. Uh, my, I have two boys, uh, Drew is 13 going into eighth grade, and then Tyler is 10 going into fifth grade. And so it's a busy household, uh, but it's a very fun household and uh, we enjoy every minute or mostly every minute. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny because I just recorded a podcast with uh, an author who wrote a book called Enjoy Every Minute and all of the funny things that we say. I can't remember the exact title, but yes, there are so many minutes to enjoy and your kids are at such pivotal ages, right? Uh, Because you've got one almost in middle school. And then you've got a middle school and those middle school years are just really interesting. Um, sometimes they can be smelly. <laughs> sometimes they can be a lot of emotions. How are you, uh, feeling with those middle school years right now, Andrea? I'm feeling pretty good. My oldest is very responsible and, uh, that has been a big blessing. Of course, there's always the conversations around, you know, the phone and, you know, all of the different technology and all of those kind of conversations, but in general, it has been a good experience so far. So we're just going to keep praying that that's what continues to happen. That's good. I think we could have probably an entire podcast just about the phones. Yes. <laughs> oh sure. my gosh. The phones. For sure. Yes. Yes. Uh, do you, can I ask, do your, do your, either of your boys have phones? No, they don't have phones. And so that's always been one of the the conversations is we've said ninth grade, which is, I think, literally the last, <laughs> the latest. I don't think anybody's waiting till ninth grade. There's even a, a program called wait till eighth and we're over here waiting till ninth. And so, you know, it comes up from time to time, you know, that we're not the coolest parents in the world, but uh, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. I've heard wait till eighth and um what I was told wait till eighth meant was social, social media. Cause everybody had phones. Uh, we recently moved here from a different state and in the state that we were in for sure, everybody had phones. It seems like a lot of kids, uh, we're in Texas now, less kids have phones here, which is interesting and way less kids have social media. Uh, so that's what I always thought wait till eighth meant. I didn't even know that meant wait till eighth for a phone. So yeah, I, I got so. my first, At least that's phone. the way I interpreted it. Yeah. Well, Hey, you know what? You're waiting till ninth. So kudos to you. You know, that's great. I remember I got my first phone when I turned 16. Uh, that was a long time ago. I don't, I'd have to do the math to figure out what year that is. Um, but that was 24 years ago almost. And when I got my first phone, the, the only reason I got it really was because Um, I bought myself a car when I turned 16. That was something I was really excited to do and proud of. And my parents said, you, you can have a car. That's great. But if you're going to have a car, then you have to have a phone. 
And if you're going to, if you have to have a phone, then you have to pay for a phone. <laughs> so I was like, well, I guess that's a kind of a twofer. So I bought the car and yeah. I bought the phone and, uh, you know, you, that was, those were the days when you had to click every button a thousand times to send a text message. So nobody really texted. It's just, a di- it's just a different world, but yeah. And they were huge. And I think uh, I'm dating myself now, but you know, when I was 16, I had a beeper. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. The pagers. I mean, that was a way long time ago. There you go. Well, one of my favorite kiosks in the mall was the little Nokia kiosk where you would get the little plastic cover for your phone and you could pop that thing off and change it out based on what you're wearing. Maybe I'm the only one that did that, but definitely you could color coordinate your phone to your outfit if you were so inclined. So, all right. Well, so we've already talked about a lot of random stuff, phones, (laughs) technology, teenage boys, preteens. Okay. So you've got these two boys, you've been married for 20 years. Congratulations. That's a huge accomplishment. And, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to actually dig into that a little bit later on. Uh, cause you've just got a really interesting story, or at least I would consider it more, a little more unique. Uh, and I've never had any guests on the show yet with this story. So we're going to dig into that later, but First, I'd love to just hear, you know, if you could give us a little background, you you mentioned that you were in the corporate world, give us a little background just of your professional history. Yeah. So I started actually in corporate America when I was at 15, just about to turn 16. My mom worked at a big telecom corporation and I started as a, a high school student and so would go from Uh, school to work. And I think that that just really stuck with me because I just entered that world so early. Um, And I would have different jobs, even like side jobs, uh, you know, waiting tables or uh, working at, you know, I don't know, uh, clothing stores, things like that. Um, But I had had that corporate job uh, starting at so young. And then right after high school, I went into work full-time for that corporation. And I went to school at night, uh, college at night. My my, uh, business paid for my college. Uh, So I didn't get to experience that typical kind of college experience that a lot of people have. Um, And from then on, I think I was probably early twenties when I became a manager. And then I just continued to work up, uh, climb the ladder, if you will, um, from there on in terms of just leadership and, uh, continuing to add responsibilities and that sort of thing. Uh, and really loved it, you know, loved being in that environment, loved working, loved accomplishing things. Um, you know, loved, bringing something from an idea to, you know, actual existence. So, uh, so yeah, so it was a a pretty long career, but it started early. Had you always wanted to be in the workforce? Did you know from a young age that you wanted to, you know, exceed, uh, yeah, succeed professionally? No, I really didn't. Um, It wasn't something that I necessarily aspired to. It just kind of fell in my lap. And then I think, um, I think just my my nature of liking to uh, have results and and do well just continued to kind of propel me into liking the kind of work that I was doing, especially when I was younger. It was a lot of data entry. It was a lot of that sort of thing. And then as the responsibilities grew, it became more creative work. It came, became more project work, and it just became more and more interesting. Uh, so I had gone uh, at in college to get my degree. Um, in business. Um, and that was really just default. I didn't even know really what I was going to do with it. Um, but uh, eventually then I, I turned it over to getting a literary studies degree because I thought, let me let me do something I might enjoy a little bit more because I had always wanted to be an author. But no, it was never really my intent to start that early or to for my life to end up that way. But I wouldn't even say that uh, as a teenager, I really had much of a plan. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Sometimes that does happen though. Sometimes our lives just kind of happen because we're just kind of sent that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I am curious what field, uh, I mean, you I'm not asking you for the name of the company or anything, but what, what, what line of work were you in? Yeah. So I was, I worked at Mary, uh, Mary Kay, I can say the name of the company. I worked at Mary Kay, uh, corporate. I worked at Nortel corporate, um, and then another, uh, company similar to Mary Kay, and uh, I was in marketing for the majority of my time. So really enjoyed that kind of creative uh, work that uh, marketing t- 
typically uh, allows its employees to do. Okay. Yeah. So you did that until how many years ago? Until about three and a half years ago. Yeah. So I was, it was in corporate America for about 25 years until, until God changed things. Yeah. Yeah. So 25. So, okay. So three and a half years ago, and you said your sons are probably 10 and 13 is my guess. That's right. That's right. Okay. So they were about six and a half, nine and a half. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so during that time when you were working full-time and you were, like you said, climbing the corporate ladder, um, doing fantastic things in the workforce. I mean, you were clearly very talented and gifted to work up, uh, the way that you did within your, the corporations that you were in. I'd love for you to tell, uh, talk a little bit about just the, the unique, I mean, we talk on here all the time about mom life balance, which looks different for everybody. Um, and sometimes we're in different seasons of life. And, and everyone has different callings. And so, uh, I leave it kind of vague and open on purpose because my calling is not going to be the same necessarily, or definitely not down to the details as, as anyone else's and vice versa. And so for you, you were working in this corporate world, doing fantastic things at work. Your children were young. Can you tell us a little more about that season of your life? Yeah, it was really interesting season. Um, and I, you know, I, I never felt like I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, that was never something that was in my, my mind. Um, and in fact, it's kind of funny because even getting married, you know, I never was one of those young girls who pictured a, a wedding day and a big dress and all of this. I, I just never had that picture in my head. And um, so I was just, you know, very content at work uh, to be doing all of these things, to be adding on responsibilities, to be kind of doing more and more and more and more. And I got a lot of, um, you know, just that uh, feeling accomplished. I think that's what, that's what I, I recognize as I was working, as I was always feeling very accomplished. And at that time, um, my husband, he pretty much pretty quickly after um, our firstborn was born. So about nine months into it, um, he ended up staying home as a stay-at-home father, uh, stay-at-home dad. And so that freed me up to really continue to just focus on my career, continue to do what I was doing. I was working uh, in an, a part of our organization where I was traveling to Europe all the time. I was going to Russia and Ukraine and Portugal and you know all of these different places and um, just having these great cool experiences. And I had that support at home. So it allowed me to do that. Um, but what really started happening in, in my mind is I just, you know, got kind of really focused on that, you know, and because I had all those accolades, because it was, it was fueling me in that way, you know, sometimes I would come home um, and I wasn't getting that same kind of sense of accomplishment at home. You know, the kids, right. you know, um, they, they need different things, right. And they're not always, um, they're not always feeding us in that way, right? That's not their job to do. But uh, what I was noticing is I was definitely um, getting a lot of that at work. And then when I would get home, so I, I would be mentally drained by the time I would get home. And then once I got home, then I was physically and emotionally drained right, from being a parent. So um, by the end of all that, it was just very tiring <laughs> and exhausting. Um, so that's what that kind of that that life was like for a long time for me for probably 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, so you're going to work, you're doing these cool things. You're traveling around the world. You're getting accolades, right? I mean, in the corporate world, we get lots of awards for our oh. efforts. I mean, literal awards, not just even verbal, but actual right. awards. Um, and you know, that's something that I really, I love about working what I've always loved about projects is the completion part. I think mo a lot of people, most people probably do is that there's a beginning and there's an end. So there's a sense of completion. And when you're at home, there's really no sense of completion. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the laundry's never actually done. Uh, the, the floor is never fully clean for longer than two seconds. Dinners are every single night, you know, um, it's a constant cyclical thing compared to compared to a, a work environment that could be more project-based. So I can, I can imagine those two worlds just feeling really, really different for you. 
Yeah, they really did. They really did. And, you know, because my husband was a stay at home dad, um, my kids were very connected, especially my oldest, very connected to him, you know? And so, um, when, when I get home and then there's not that, you know, sense of moms needed, you know, um, mm-hmm. it was definitely easier to continue to, you know, want to work, continue to get another email out, continue to get another, you know, such and such done, you know, um, instead of kind of focusing where I really needed to focus, which was on my family. So I would love to dig into that a little bit more. So first question did your husband have a career before you had kids? Yes, he did. So he was in insurance and then he went back to school to become a web designer. Um, and so he was doing some of that work and, um, and then that came to an end. And so we had a conversation as, uh, you know, just had a conversation about what uh, that would look like. Would he go back to work or would he start his own business or would he stay home? And we had uh, always talked about him perhaps starting his own business and staying home. Um, since I didn't really see that as part of my view, he he did. Um, he definitely was open to the idea of staying home. Uh, he wanted to be around for his boys. He didn't really have that growing up um, in his own life. Um, and he, you know, just wanted to make sure that he was there for for his boys in a way that um, he didn't experience. And so um, he was really open to it. And so we had that conversation and then, you know, we just decided to make it. We kind of figured that God closed that door at work and we would have probably never made that decision on our own to kind of, um, go away from one income, but it ended up being a huge blessing in our lives and kind of a really important, I think, part of our story. Yeah. Well, and sometimes we're kind of forced into what's right for us. You know, I mean, even thinking through the one income, you know, when, when I first found out that I was pregnant with our oldest, I had only been graduated from college for not even a year and a half yet. And so, and, and I was in the education field. So I had been doing, uh, some substitute teaching in the inner city schools of Chicago. And, uh, that, that was not going to be the place that I saw myself just landing permanently, uh, for, for multiple reasons. And then when we moved, um, you know, I had always worked uh, smaller, uh, jobs. My husband was always the breadwinner. And I remember years later looking back. And even though my income continued to rise, I remember looking back and thinking if I had been making like $150,000 because I had been working for 10 years, that would be really hard to just lose that income and go to, to just one person's income. So it's, it's, it's a lot easier to just (laughs) start off low and, Mm -hmm. and grow then. And so for me, part of it was almost like some of the doors that had closed where I'm like, why is this door closing? Uh, it actually ended up making that transition and that time much easier. It would have been a real big transition kind of doing actually what you guys did, uh, which was going from two full-time salaries to one. Yeah, it was definitely challenging. And, you know, it was interesting because, uh, fortunately God did continue to bless us, you know, in, in me and the roles that I was in. Um, but it was definitely something where we had to make some very conscious decisions about, you know, how we were going to live and what that was going to look like. We did, I think we did a Dave Ramsey and all of that to kind of figure out how we were going to make that transition. And cause then we had a a little boy too, Mm -hmm. that we were now responsible for as well. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, so it was quite a transition, but yeah, I definitely think that it's very, difficult to make those decisions, you know, because it does mean a change in lifestyle, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as you think back on those years, what were some of the things that were challenging about you being on the road or working in the office and your husband being home with the kids all day? What was challenging? I think what was really challenging for me was just keeping up with the pace. Um, And there was a lot of stress. There was definitely a burden, especially as I got to the point where I was no longer wanting to be in that role. I no longer wanted to be in that organization. And I definitely felt the burden of, you know, this is my responsibility. I have to carry this. Um, because I do make such good money and, and this, you know, is the, the, the path we've chosen. And I, 
Uh, I do believe we needed one, you know, parent at home and I, I couldn't see being that, that parent myself. Um, you know, it was really challenging, you know, in that, that way. It was also challenging and uh, making sure that Matt and I were on the same page in terms of expectations of roles, you know, and what is that, what did that look like and, and who was taking care of what. Um, I think also in hindsight, I definitely uh, wasn't always fair to my husband, you know, here I am, he's been at home with the kids all day and here I am, you know, let me just do one more email. Let me just do one more thing before I got home, you know, sometimes at 7.30 at night. And so I think in some ways, um, you know, I think he was probably very exhausted himself as well. And men, uh, I've known a couple of men or families who have, you know, had the husband stay at home and, you know, men aren't as good as having those kind of social outlets and kind of cultivating community in that way. And so, you know, they often are there by themselves. And mm -hmm. I think that that can be probably, um, he's never said it this way, but I imagine it can be kind of isolating and exhausting um, and all of those things as well. So, um, and I think, you know, one of the biggest things since not we, since we don't, we don't have that situation anymore. I think one of the biggest learnings for me was um, how much I really did. I've always believed in having my husband as a spiritual leader of the home and believed, you know, in the, the biblical perspective of headship and what that looks like, you know, just like God, the father is over Jesus, the son. It doesn't make you know, Jesus any less important, but he does still defer to the father. Um, so just like that relationship that we can see modeled with, with marriage, I, I don't, I think I would have always said, you know, I really see my husband as a spiritual leader of the home, but I don't know that that was always how I responded in practice and in real life, you know, um, because as the assertive, you know, woman who is at, in charge in a lot of ways, uh, responsible for a lot of things and leadership that certainly came home too, mm. in terms of how I, you know, responded and acted. And, uh, luckily my husband's super gracious and very laid back. Um, but I think in hindsight, I can definitely see that that probably wasn't, um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't always, uh, responding in our home the way that I, I believe I should have, you know, been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even though there's, even though there are specific leadership roles and I mean, you brought up, you know, the Trinity in there spiritually, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. even, and then also within your home too, even though there are specific roles, uh, that synergy of all the roles is so important and required that, that there's a connective, a connectivity and the communication and the collective moving in the right direction is so required, Absolutely. uh, within there. And it sounds like you guys did a great job of balancing that, but I can hear, you know, I can hear, and I can imagine how some of those things would have been difficult. I mean, how did you, how did you delegate household duties, tasks. I mean, those are typically roles that a stay-at-home mom, or I would even say a work-from-home mom uh, does, you know, even the cooking, the cleaning, even if you have a work-from-home job or have your own business, those things traditionally fall on the woman. The woman. So what, what did that look like within your home? You guys kind of had totally flipped traditional roles in some ways, what was that like? Yeah. And I think, um, and we probably still have him a little bit, but yeah, he's still the one that cooks, you know, which is a, a blessing to me. Um, and it's probably at this point, just because I'm not good at it and he's, he, he enjoys it. And, uh, but yeah, so he would do those traditional roles, grocery shopping, um, laundry, you know, all of those different things. And so, but I do know, you know, other, other families that I know who've had a similar, um, uh, style in terms of having the husband stay at home, you know, the mom still is doing some of those things. So I was very fortunate. Um, and the fact that my husband, um, has always been very supportive in that way. And he's, he's, he really is a servant leader in that way. Like he, he's the one that, you know, he'll, he'll joke because everybody needs him all the time, right? He's the one that everybody, everybody needs. It's like, you know, probably in most homes, it's the mom. Um, and mm -hmm. I get called on a lot too, but he definitely, 
um, is called on quite a bit in our home. And, you know, he's just the guy that that's always helping all of us, you know, and so he's really a great model of that. I was thinking not too long ago about, um, I was reading about the fruit of the spirit, you know, and, and I was just looking at all those different attributes of, of patience and, and faithfulness and, and all the different joy. And he just really models those very well. And so I think that was always a, a real blessing. So I don't know if it was always him that it was probably more me and my attitude and I wasn't very sanctified <laughs> in our relationship and, you know, was always kind of, you know, gotta do this, gotta do this, you know, kind of barking um, a lot, but, um, but yeah, so it, it, it worked really well. You talked about the synergy. Um, it worked really well. I think because we did have those, those def- definitions, if I was to come home and I was still responsible for all of those things after putting in a full day, being mentally exhausted, I think it would have been a lot more difficult uh, for us to have managed that for really a decade. Yeah. I love hearing how you talk about him. I mean, your love for him and your feelings for him are very clear in the way that you communicate. I hope he listens to this podcast. <laughs> he, will. he definitely will. He really should. Uh, Cause it's, it's cool to hear you talk so highly of him and based on the, the person that he is, and the person that you are, I, I would imagine that the conversation would be exactly the same back. So it's just kudos to you guys for your relationship. And it just, it's sweet and I like it. And uh, it's fun to listen to. Um, do you think that it would have been different? You know, you had the two boys. Do you think things would have been different if you, if you, or do you think they, yes, let me say it again differently. Do you think things would have been different if you had had daughters? That is a really interesting question. I had never even considered that, but um, no, because he would have been a great girl dad too. So I think that um, he, you know, his, how he responded to them might've been very different, Um, but it, it, it could have been interesting to see too, how girls would have responded to me too. Like I said, you know, um, cause one of the hard things was, you know, like I said, I would stay at work late. Cause when I, if I came home early, they were always preoccupied with other things, you know? Um, and maybe if they had been girls, maybe that would have looked a little bit different. Um, but, um, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it would have been, uh, I think he would have been, he would have been great in that role. Um, and, uh, I think, yeah, I don't think it would look different. Yeah. Well, and your kids were younger still too. I mean, I know the older my kids get, especially my son. And if my, my husband's been traveling, I mean, the second he gets home, I it's like, he could literally not spend enough time with my husband. He just mm-hmm. wants to hang out with him and throw the football and walk around and, do all the things with him. And, um, and I'm there all the time, you know, and, and it's just different. So, uh, part of it could have been age. And I was just curious what your thoughts were on that. So when you, you talked about how they responded, how did society or the people in your circle respond to your difference in, in, uh, home and work roles? You know, that's interesting. I, I never felt like anybody responded in any certain way. I definitely know that, especially because, you know, in our, we know very active in our church. Uh, my husband's a deacon and, you know, we've been, been at our church for probably over 17 years. And so, um, so in that kind of environment, I would say, you know, you would traditionally more see a mom staying home. Um, so I never had anybody say anything. Um, so if people thought something, I'm always naive <laughs> about what people think <laughs> or, or why, how they might critique. Um, but I do know that there were men that told my husband how much they admired what he did because they understood just from a, a masculinity perspective, what kind of sacrifice, um, that is. And, um, I definitely think then from my perspective, I wouldn't say it was so much about what other people um, said, but I was very proud of it. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I was very proud that, you know, we could uh, live this way that, you know, oh yeah, my husband is a stay at home dad. And, you know, obviously I'm successful enough and make enough money so that he can be, you know, I mean, that was kind of like, um, I just, you know, that, that kind of was something that I was very proud of. And so um, I didn't ever mind sharing that because I, you know, it made me feel 
you know, better um, to, to share, you know, just how fancy I was. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Um, and so I think that that was, yeah, Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah. But I think that there, but I think that pride was a problem, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, were my intentions always good, you know, in terms of wanting that lifestyle? I don't think so. Uh, But it was definitely, you know, God uses all things for good. And uh, he has certainly shown me and Matt how even now he continues to use those things, you know, and that leadership and all the stuff that learned in that time, how he's going to use it for his good and glory, you know? Absolutely. Andrea, when you think back on that season, what are some of the big learnings that, that came out of it? You know, um, I think, I think one of the biggest learnings now is priorities. You know, I feel like, I feel like there were certain lies that I probably did believe. Um, we're in a situation now where we have our ministry and, uh, my husband and I work at home now and we have for the last three and a half years. And my mom always says, you know, it's like, uh, you know, um, about restoring the years that the locusts have stolen, if you're familiar with that verse. And it, it does feel like, uh, we have gotten, I've gotten back a lot of time. And I think, uh, what I look back on is I realized that, um, I didn't necessarily believe, I think I told you in the very beginning, I never saw myself as a stay-at-home mom. I never saw myself somebody in that position. And so there was something in me that believed that I wasn't capable of that, uh, that I didn't have that kind of nurturing spirit within me, uh, that I was this, you know, work woman, you know, and I, I think in a lot of ways, I believed a lie. You know, I believed things that weren't necessarily true about my own ability, capability, and even what would be good for my soul, you know, um, mm. to be around my children, to watch them grow, to just spend more time with them. Um, another thing that um, I, that happened in that with all the stress, with all the responsibility um, is I did find myself, um, you know, dealing with alcoholism. Um, mm. So I struggled with really trying to kind of numb that stress, you know, try to, um, you know, put a bandaid on all the pressure, uh, that I felt. And so, you know, that definitely was something that wore on me over time. I think that they're just the demands of, of what is required in that kind of life, um, really takes a toll. And so I've been sober for over four years now. Um, but I look back on that too, and I see, you know, we, we can only take so much, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and we're not, we're not built to be everything to everybody all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I look back and I, I see that as well. Um, and then I think I, I mentioned it already, but I do see, cause I really, I, I still grapple with, was that the right decision for our family? Um, did I believe feminist ideas about what my role should be and what my husband's role should be? And, did I, did I kind of take, you know, things to an extreme that didn't need to happen in our family. And yet at the same time, when my husband and I talk about it, there's so much beauty of, you know, his relationship with the boys and his relation, our relationship and how we do, like you said, synergistically work really well together. Um, and then also all the skills that, you know, I learned in that time. So I look back and I see that there, there were a lot, there was a lot of good, for the regret that I have, there was also a lot of good um, that came out of it too, that, that God um, continues to use and, and, and will continue to use. And so, yeah, I think that that, that would be the other thing I would mention. Yeah. Well, first off, congrats on your sobriety. That's a huge deal. Thank you. And you know, it's not a surprise that having to deal with the stress of the work and then also the, the pull, I mean, we, we constantly feel that the push and the pull, right. We manage this tension all the time. And so, um, I just hearing that that was something that was part of your journey, uh, for some reason it, I I don't even know this. I didn't know that about you. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, and there's nothing about you that makes me think, oh, she must be a former alcoholic, you know, uh, recovering alcoholic, but uh, it doesn't surprise me because I I can't even imagine the stress load that that would, I, yeah, 
that that would, that would happen. And yeah, so it's, it's just interesting. I'm just kind of processing what you just said. And it's just interesting to, to think through, um, all that you had to just work through 24 hours a day. And, and when you think about like even processing through, was that the right decision for you and your family, you know, going back through those questions of the, like the, what ifs, you know, and I think the beauty is that you're in the season that you're in. That was the season that you were in, uh, trying to discover what we can learn, you know, what you learned from it, the good and the bad. and uh, use it for good. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, so you went, so you had this season where you were working full-time, your husband was stay at home, dad, you worked through your alcoholism and now you're in a completely different season. So you can kind of look back on it. Uh, there could be moms that are listening that are, that are still working, um, full-time and the main breadwinner. And, uh, what do you think would be the best support that we can give to those moms that are in that season currently? I think, um, I talk to a lot of women and I, I think I think it's this realization that, that you don't have to do it all, that the, the things that we tell ourselves, uh, are required of us, even in our corporate careers, uh, we say it has to look a certain way and that, that it has to, um, there has to be a specific outcome. And I think there's a lot of pressure on women. I, I, I don't remember what the stat is. I want to say it's over 40% of women now who are the breadwinners or something like that. It's, it's, it's risen quite a bit. So there's this, there is this pressure on women. And so when I think about what God has in store for us, I think a lot of times we dismiss it because we're sitting there saying that we have to do things the way the world says we need to do it. So but conventional wisdom is not God's wisdom and he is good and he provides, you know, it's not all on us. And I think that there's just this lie that we believe that we're the ones that are in control of it all and that we have to do things a certain way in order to get the outcome that we want um, or that we think we need. And it doesn't have to look that way. That's good. Yeah. I'm thinking of some women that I know that, um, yeah, just that whole concept of, you know, having to having to do it all, having to be everything to everyone all the time, whether you're at work or you're at home. And I think that there's something we can all glean from this, whether they're whether we're working full time or whether we're at home full time or some somewhere in the middle, is that we we can't be everything to everyone all the time. Uh we I would I would venture to say we can't be everything to anyone ever. Um mm-hmm because that's not our job or our role or our, we're not qualified for that. Um, and that we have people in our lives, whether it's our husbands or other support people in our lives that we can, we can share the burdens with, uh, that sometimes it's, it's easy for us to want to do it all ourselves. I know for myself, I feel that way. Uh, and it, it's just not necessary. So for wanting this perfection, whether it's our home or our work or our children or our social media accounts or our bank account for that matter, uh, it, we don't have to do alone and it doesn't have to be perfect. Absolutely. 100%. Women are not good at asking for help. So, uh, being able to lean on others or being able to lower expectations for each other, uh, is, is always helpful. I think in those relationships. Yes, definitely. So you did this for a long season and now you're in a new season. I would love for you to share what you're currently doing and where you see yourself going from here. 
Oh, wonderful. So yeah, so God um, definitely, you know, doors closed and, um, you know, my corporate career came to and then I got laid off and um, was in a season of trying to figure out what was next. And through just a series of different events, God really uh, called me into full-time ministry. And um, it, it's just been interesting to, to look back at that process and to recognize that I didn't even know what it really looked like. Um, I feel like in a lot of ways, I was just following breadcrumbs and uh, just kind of going to the next next thing, doing the next thing as, as I felt God call. Um, but I definitely knew that uh, the call was to speak biblical truth with love in our culture, uh, to really help uh, people align their worldview to what God says in scripture. Um, and, you know, through through a lot of just following what the next step was, um, last fall in November, uh, God made it very clear uh, that we were to uh, start Genuine Family Ministries, uh, which is a nonprofit, and our focus is on helping or equipping families to stand firm on their faith in this culture. And so what we do primarily is we teach uh, parents and students uh, the the cultural ideas of today. So whether they, they be, you know, critical theory or postmodernism or progressive Christianity, we teach them the framework of what are the, the underlying ideas uh, that are at work and at play and those different ideologies. And then we also talk a lot about theology and biblical truth and uh, how those uh, map up and how they differ uh, from what culture has to say. And so our goal is really to make sure that our kids know the truth so that when they see these um, anti-biblical ideas, they can really spot those those lies quickly um, and that they don't fall into them. Uh, so a lot of what we do is, is teaching and providing resources in that area. And then the other thing that's been really cool um, that God showed me a long time ago uh, as I started out in ministry was just you know, I've always been a truth teller. And so I think a lot of the sanctification and the kind of growing and developing he's had me in over the last several years was really to develop my love for people, you know, because mm. um, I think that was really going to be necessary for the work that he's called us into. And so um, over the last several, well, over since starting Genuine Family Ministry, he's been meeting a lot of parents who uh, whose kids are falling into some of these ideologies like um, transgenderism and things like that. And so we have since uh, started a support group for families, uh, for parents specifically, whose kids are identifying as trans because we want them to have a, a place to get um, to heal one from that because it's very, very difficult. Uh, we also want them to be encouraged knowing they're not alone. And we also want them to learn insights from each other. What are they doing that's working well? How are they working on their relationship with their child? What does that look like? Uh, what are any things that they, they might be doing that are helping their children to maybe coming out of the ideology and that sort of thing? Uh, we also mentor um, children or students who are in that ideology as well. And I just think it's it's been really cool to see how God has molded me to be able to even be in a position where I can even do that kind of work. Because I think three years ago, I wouldn't have been able to. So it's cool to see how God really has to make sure our character can, you know, match up to our calling, you know, and that that's a whole process in and of itself. So that's what we do. So we're, at, we're Genuine Family Ministries, and we've been operating now for not even a year. Um, but God just continues to open incredible doors and we just continue to, to walk through them um, as he leads us. That's incredible work that you're doing. And um, I'm grateful for that in the community that you're doing that. And I think it's so needed for this generation and we're going to need um, some leaders that have clear biblical grounding, solid mm -hmm. biblical grounding um, as they become adults and uh, the, you know, the youth now, as they become adults, uh, to, to shepherd, I'll say this next generation. Mm -hmm. So I love what you're doing. Thank you. Support you so much in that. Um, I'm going to have all the ways that people can connect with you in the show notes, um, so that they can learn more about your organization, figure out ways to get involved. Uh, you know, as you were telling me about this, the ministry, you know, what's, what's interesting just based on our, this last conversation that we've been having is, you were, you talked about having your character, um, align with your calling, which I love that first of all. Um, 
before you said that my, my, my brain was spinning a little bit thinking if you hadn't spent those years in the corporate world, learning how to do all of the things that you learned how to do there with marketing and project management and all of that, would you have been equipped to embark on a journey like this? No, I wouldn't have. And I think that's, what's been so cool to look back and go, okay, yeah, he did use it, you know, and, um, and he'll continue to use those things. Um, and it was interesting because when I, I first started before, before it was genuine family ministries, um, you know, and still doing full-time ministry, it looked a little bit different, but, uh, I didn't have to have all use all those leadership skills and things that I had learned in the corporate world, but he was working on me over the last three years in other areas. So it's been interesting to see how, as genuine family ministry has come to be that he's brought back all that need for leadership and organizational um, understanding, because we do believe Genuine Family Ministries is an organization. It's going to be something that grows and builds, and there'll be uh, people who come alongside us to do this work. And so it really is amazing to kind of look back and see, yeah, this wouldn't really have been possible had he not used all of that, um, that he had already, that experience that he had already allowed for me to have. So yeah, I think that's the one thing that makes me go, well, maybe we were right. And <laughs> what we did also seeing my husband's relationship with our children and how strong our family unit does work in order for mm -hmm. us to even be able to go out and do this calling. Um, there's been a lot of foundational work done in order for us to be able to do it. So that's, that's where I go, well, maybe it was okay. Um, uh, but obviously God can use all things to his glory and, and he could have accomplished it in another way as well. But I definitely, yeah. I definitely, uh, agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm passionate about emotional intelligence. And so just even thinking through the EQ wheel, all of the areas that you were refined all of these years with your flexibility, your stress tolerance. I mean, even the optimism, I mean, I can tell that you're smiling when you're talking, <laughs> which is, you know, a, it's a gift. Right. And, um, and it's probably also something that has been finessed and grown in you. I would imagine like problem solving, reality testing, impulse control. I mean, there are so many areas that you could just go bonkers in if you hadn't, um, had experience working through those things. And sometimes, uh, being in the roles that you were in, I'm sure required you to continue to finesse those skills. And now you're going into this new role, doing incredibly important work that you feel like you're called to do, um, equipped to do it, you know? So, um, I think that's something worth recognizing and, um, you know, celebrating and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of puts that whole path, you know, a continuation of that path for you. So I love um, that you said that those were, yeah. And as you were talking about those skills, you're right. All of those. And I think one of the things I remember a leader of mine told me, uh, my greatest trait was, was my determination. And I definitely mm -hmm. think that over, you know, the last, you know, 25 years when I was in corporate, there was a lot of, you know, failure too, you know, mm -hmm. there was a lot of like trying things, failing, getting back up, going again, you know, not giving up resilience really is probably the best word resilience that was built. And I, I definitely see that God is uh, using that resilience um, in this season and will continue to uh, yeah. continue to. Absolutely. What is something that you would like to encourage moms that are listening, whether they're stay-at-home moms, whether they're full-time moms in the current season you're in, what are some words of encouragement that you'd like to share with the listeners? I would love to encourage them to ask God where he wants them and then to believe him uh, for them to go in that direction and follow his lead. Um, I think that it is so easy for us to put ourselves on the bench and for us to think that, that life can only look one way. And uh, I think, you know, scripture is very clear that God has a work, that we're his handiwork and that he has a work for us to do. And I think that um, I would really encourage uh, women to, mamas to, seek him for what that is, and then follow after it. Where he calls, he will provide. He already has provided. Uh, it may not look the way that we want it to look. Um, 
he, he, you know, that saying, he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. It's very true. Um, and I, I think that that's the encouragement I would give that dream that God's put on your heart. Yeah. Dust it off, you know, and take it for a spin, you know, um, and, and, and see what that looks like. Absolutely. No matter what season you're in right now, and no matter where you are in your faith journey or in your personal journey or any of those things, don't put yourself on the bench. You yep. are in the place that you're in for a reason. You're listening to these words for a reason and spend some time, let it sink in, do the deep dive inside your brain and inside your heart and great things will come from it. Absolutely. I believe it. Andrea, it's been such a pleasure hearing your story listening to the ups and downs and all the learnings that you had in the, in the midst of, of all of these unique different seasons that you've had. And I'm excited for you, for your ministry, for your family. Um, I want to have your husband make me dinner sometime. We'll, well, the whole family's going to come over and we're going to have dinner. Apparently he's a great cook. Cause I'm also yep. a horrible cook. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> we can put that on the calendar later. Uh, but I, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited to see where things are going for you and your family and for your ministry. And, um, we're going to give the listeners a way to link in and maybe we'll have a follow-up time where we can learn a little bit more about how the ministry is going and, uh, what you've learned in the process of that. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor and I love what you're doing. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Mom Life Balance Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you were challenged and learned something new and feel encouraged to take on a new and exciting adventure for yourself and for your family. To learn more about what I do and how I coach moms every single day, one-on-one and in groups and all of the offerings that I have, please check out my website, www.kmbcoaching.com, or you can find me on social media at Mom Life Balance.